Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 30 this morning and stand with me. In 21 years, I've had the opportunity twice to speak from this text. I was able to in 2006 and 2010. So six years ago, I preached from this and it was one of those um, that was so well received and so timely that I just, I've longed, I've had it on my desk for about two years, to be truthful with you, a little desk behind my desk. And I felt the time would be right uh, this year. And as I looked at the notes, have y'all ever read something you wrote and years later you realize, I've grown since then. I've changed it. I believe I know more. I believe I understand this passage more. And it's from this context, but I want to preach to you from where I'm at today about God's hidden wisdom. Proverbs 30, verse 24. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they're exceedingly wise. Mark that in your Bible. They're wiser than wise. They're abundantly wise. The ants, they're not a people strong, but they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. And the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. You may be seated this morning. And if you'll allow me, uh, I want to pray for myself. And if you would pray for me where you sit as well or agree with my prayer. Lord, I just humble myself before you this morning. And I want to say publicly what you know I know. That without your Holy Spirit, I am useless as far as a communicator. I can communicate ideas, but your spirit quickens, O oh Lord. And we long to hear from you. We want to hear a word from you, O oh Lord. We want light to hit our path and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to deliver us. Grant it today, O oh Lord. If you can't use me today, Lord, I pray you speak your word in spite of me. Let us leave enriched and changed and saying, surely today I heard the voice of the Lord for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God has hidden wisdom in the earth just like he has hidden precious elements in the ground. Wisdom crieth from the streets, the heavens behold his glory. All, there are many messages all around you in the, the, the first smile of your child. When you bring home your first child, you understand the word firstborn. There's wisdom found in the uh, affection uh, between friends when in love and joy and peace. Seeing a sunrise, I'll never forget, I saw this man in Daytona. He looked to be in his 80s. He had rolled his blue jeans up to about right here and he was just standing in the water like this and his, I, I assumed it was his son and daughter-in-law off to the side and he was just standing there. He wasn't worshiping but he was standing there and the tears were just falling off his face and you know Kelly and I are different you know Ke Kelly probably wouldn't say nothing but I'm, I've got to find out what's going on you know so I walked over to the guy didn't interrupt the older gentleman and I said is this his first time seeing the ocean and he said yeah and he was just standing there in awe and the ocean was speaking wisdom to him that God is vast and God is there's none like him. He's altogether separate. Wisdom, the Bible teaches us, is the prominent thing. It's the preeminent thing. 
But it's the most uncommon thing. And when God says about something, now they are exceedingly wise. So an insect, a rock badger, a coney, a locust and a spider, for him to say that, it must be because there's hidden wisdom there. If they're exceedingly wise, I want to know why God would bring it up. There must be something he engineered in them that would help me navigate the vicissitudes of my life to dictate to me what to do and how to do it. Let me give you this real quick as an introduction. The power of wisdom is that there are very few things available to you that have greater impact in your life than wisdom. The power of wisdom is, is that it is found in so many places in so many people and in so many ways. The power of wisdom is that it is necessary for so many things. Wisdom can take you places that strength and courage and abilities and talent cannot. The power of wisdom is not only where it can take you, but what it keeps you from. The power of wisdom is it can give you keys to doors that have been locked all your life. Wisdom lets you succeed at a level that's way over your head. The power of wisdom is that anyone, anyone, anyone can receive her. The power of wisdom is that once learned, it can never be taken from you, only forfeited or forgotten. And finally, the power of wisdom that it is always crying out to you, always accessible and always eternal. So number one, if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to talk about the wisdom of the ant. What does God have uh, in him? How did he engineer him so specifically that he would want the believer to study him? And the wisdom of the ant is this. Here's the main heading, and then I'll give you the points. Prepare yourself. So just write that down. Prepare yourself. Preparation is the key to everything. You don't believe me? Cook without preparing. Well, I ain't got everything I need, but this'll do. Wait, not if I'm eating at your house, this'll do. <laughs> Kelly made us some uh, mashed potatoes that didn't have potatoes in them. What was it? Cauliflower. And she said, it's just like potatoes. No, they weren't. <laughs> ain't enough butter in the world. It's like she stirred up napkins. And then she goes, spray some of this on it. I'm like, it's still a napkin? And she said, oh, you're just being ridiculous. I said, no. Now, she planned, so I'm not saying she wasn't planned. She planned on that. But, you know, if you don't have something and you make do, it shows up. But when grandma's prepared, my grandma cooks. We had like seven of us over there, eight for Thanksgiving. There was enough to feed 30 people. And she don't want you in the kitchen because she knows the preparation determines the outcome. So the ant says, prepare yourself. All right, here we go. In what way? The wisdom of the ant is that he is not defined by his limitations. He is not defined by his limitations. Right there in the verse, it said it. They are a small people, a people not strong. Let me rephrase my, quest, my point. It is not that he is not defined by his limitations. It is that he does not define himself by them. Others may call him small, insignificant, not gifted, not talented. The issue is not how other people say we are. 
it, the issue is seeing our weaknesses and overcoming our weakness with wisdom. He doesn't go on a, a, a crusade of saying, I'm not small, I'm not small, I'm large. I confess that I'm large, standing in front of a mirror three times a day. Good morning, I'm large, I'm large. No, you're still small. I believe in positive confession in the sense that negative con- confession makes everybody in your house miserable. But if you can't dunk a basketball today, and you're 60 years old, in your 50s, You're not going to dunk it tomorrow by saying, I'm a dunker. I'm a dunker. That doesn't create reality. But what he says is, is while acknowledging that he's small, he has decided that he's going to live largely. I'm not ignoring my limitation. And you may define me by it. But I will not define myself by it. He does not allow himself the luxury of thinking that small is all he is. I'm going somewhere. Oh, I'm excited. Sometimes when I preach, it's like it rumbles like right here. And I'm going to go too fast and mess it up. So I have to slow down. He doesn't have the luxury. He doesn't allow himself the luxury of being that small is all that he is. Let me word it this way. Divorced is not all I am. Broken is not all that I am. Depressed is not all that I am. Wounded is not all that I am. Sick in my body is not all that I am. Unwanted is not all that I am. Oh, if you could find the wisdom to not deny the limitation, but transcend it with how you see yourself in God. Failure is not all I am. That, that wisdom to... See, the world says ignore the reality. Ignore the reality. It's not hell and I'm not hot. It's not hell and I'm not hot. That doesn't work. How about this? I may be all you say I am, but there's more to me than you say I am. Because in Christ, in Christ, I'm new. They remember. He forgets. They record, he erases. And the fact that I'm still here means that he is not through writing the story of my life. The ant sees his potential more clearly than his limitations. I'm going right for you right now. Go ahead and take your shoe off. I'm going for that one toe and I'm going to grind in it. Listen to this. He, does, he sees his potential more clearly than his limitations. And there are people in this room, your problem is that you see your limitation more clearly than your potential, and you live, work, and worship from that. I am not to ignore my limitation, but I am to see that I am the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. He knit me in my mother's womb. This isn't arrogance. This is God confidence that helps me to see myself. I talked to you already about perspective in a divine way, through a divine light. And if we see ourselves through our limitations, we become people of excuses. Well, you know, I can't do that because of this. And this happened. You know, your daddy don't do that because this happened. Your mama can't go here because this happened. And the ant teaches us that he sees his capacity so much more clearly than he sees his limitation. You remember the story of the Gadarene demoniac in the New Testament 
where Jesus came up in the boat and this man unclothed, demonic, he would cut himself with stones and they couldn't confine him, even with chains. And he would break the chains. And when Jesus got out of the boat on the shore there, he ran out of the tombs and immediately the demons began talking through the man to Jesus. Son of David, why are you here? Have you come to torment us before the time? Shut up. Yes. And he goes, what's your name? And the demon spoke, Legion, for we are many. Just call us Legion. And in that day and time, a legion of soldiers would be 5,000 soldiers. So this demon was saying, in the labyrinth of this man's soul, there's 5,000 separate entities living right now inside of him. My question to you would be this. If 5,000 demons can live in one man's soul, how much of the Holy Spirit can you hold? When you see yourself in God, you raise the limit, not foolishly saying, I can, you say, I can do anything. Well, go back to the Duncan of basketball. No, I can't. The hammies won't let me. No more. They don't stretch. I can't do it. I went from being able to dunk a volleyball to dunk a tennis ball to hit the rim, to hit the net, to say, your turn, go ahead. <laughs> but I'm wiser now. Let me give you an example. I'm not near as strong as I used to be. Some of y'all bodybuilders and, you know, I was never a bodybuilder, but I took care of myself and I could lift a good bit of weight. And, but I was not the stupid guy that tried to clean and jerk, you know, three or 400 pounds. But I did mess my back up earlier, like picking up riding mowers and putting them in trucks and stuff like that. Stupid, stupid stuff. So my son's growing up with me, and he sees that I'm getting old and getting a little gray, and he, he thinks that I've lost strength, and he is right. But as you get old, you don't use strength, you use tricks. See, he's underestimating my capacity. He, under, he underestimates that while he's looking at me, I'm going to sweep his leg out with my foot. And then I'm going to do the Samoan splash on him. And daddies, if y'all ever just rolled over on your boy and he can't get up, there's no move. We know where to grab you in a couple places and you'll do all the, your sister's chores for a month to let go. I said all that to say this. Why are you so much more aware of what you can't do than your capacity? Wisdom transcends. When you're young, you work hard. When you're old, you work. To see myself in Christ, to see Christ in me, to see the eternal script already written, there's more confidence in what I can do through Him and in Him than I am by my limitations. Stop trying to put makeup on your, your limitations. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. No, it's there. But there's more to me than that. The ant does not let the weakness be the story of his existence. He will be known by what he did, not by what he didn't do. Moses had a speech impediment, but he was the deliverer of Israel. King David had great moral failures, but he was the greatest king in the history of the world. Zacchaeus was too short to see the Christ, but he was not too proud to climb up a tree to see him. Paul couldn't preach from prison, so he wrote most of the New Testament from there. Blind Bartimaeus could not see the Christ, but he could call out to him. And on a dirt road one day, this blind man, hearing that Jesus was nearby, said, Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people said, shh, you be quiet. You ain't blind. Jesus, have mercy on me. And because his sight couldn't get him there, did not defeat him. He knew his voice could travel farther than his feet could. And he went to screaming. And Jesus said, bring him here. And he, by overlooking his limitation and exerting what he could, stood in front of the creator of all things. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, oh, that I might see. And he opened his eyes. And the first person he ever saw was the Christ. God asked Moses. Moses said, I can't do it. I can't be a deliverer. Moses had a speech impediment, stutterer, most theologians believe. He couldn't, hard to talk. And he, and, and he was ha, 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 hard to follow. He said, I can't do it. God said, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? A staff. Stick it out over the water. And it became blood. Put it back. Well, well, why would God record that? So we can have an historical account of Moses carrying a shepherd's staff? No. There's something there for us. He said, use what you got. A stick is nothing unless God tells you to use the stick. You have gifts and abilities and talents and strengths that if you used them, they could turn your family around and bring glory to God in the church and win people outside of the church. What do you got in your hand? Use what you have. Yeah, well, they have a bigger stick and a nicer stick and they live on the north side of town. What do you have? Greatness is found not in the size of the gift, but in the exercising of it. It is not the knowledge of what you don't have, but the knowledge of what you do have that is the difference between ignorance and wisdom. That right there, I've preached. I can shut the Bible and go home. I'm going to read it again for you so we don't miss it. It is not the knowledge of what you don't have. But the knowledge of what you do have, that is the difference between ignorance and wisdom. I'll prove it again to you by Bible. Uh, in the Old Testament, during famine, uh, Elijah said, go and gather pots. Go and gather pots. Bring it in. Bring it in. Now, what, for every empty pot they brought in, God multiplied oil. If they used what they had, before Jesus fed the 5,000, he said, what do we have? Go find it. And in 5,000 people, ain't nobody got anything but five loaves and two fish. Can you say unprepared? Us guys, listen, we don't do many things better than women, but we, we, we pack food. Y'all go somewhere and we, the diaper bag, we're putting in crackers and a loaf of bread and some spam. And we, we know that we might get hungry. Some, anybody else? I have crackers in this pocket, crackers here, some candy, some floss. Mint. We got everything. And a granddaddy, he has everything from a knife to a laser to, you know, a, a, a fly to go fishing with. He got everything in there. Do you know what you have? Do you know what you have in Christ? And don't just say yes. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. You have the name of Jesus that causes demons to literally shake from the inside and heaven's angels to bow their head as you approach God using the name. Do you know that you have the favor 
of God on your life. You have the ear of God to your prayers. You have the intentions of God backing all that he's promised you. And we live as if we were an ant. This is good. Number two. The wisdom of the ant is seen in how he works. He works with a specific goal in mind. I saw a Charlie Brown cartoon one time in the paper back when we had newspapers. And he would he pulled the bow and arrow and he shot it against the fence. And then he went up to it and drew the bullseye around it. And it was Lucy or somebody said, why'd you do that? He said, that way I don't miss. But when you set a goal and you keep score, that's the telling thing. I'm going to tell you. I ain't embarrassed. I'm going to tell you. I did the New Year's diet thing again. I'm doing it again. I lost seven and a half this first week. He needed to. Praise the Lord. I'm... I had a couple signs that let me know it was time. Neighborhood children came to the house and asked me, could they use my belly button as a hot tub? I knew something was wrong. Something was wrong. But the idea of I'm going to lose weight, thats I made a commitment. I told my wife, I said, January, February, March, I will lose down in the 185 range. Mistakenly, or ashamedly, I'd gotten up way above the 200s. Way above. So it's about 35 pounds I'm going to lose. But the commitment means now I have to keep score. It's one thing to say, I'm going to study the word more this year. But to set a commitment, I'm going to do this. I want to give this to you this year, Lord. I want to, I want to serve in the church. And while we're all lighthearted, I just want to submit this to you. It's been in my heart since like September and October. And I don't want to be the guy that makes you feel guilty. But I want to ask, if the average per- church person here was like you, how you came, when you came, how you served, where you served, what you gave, what would our local church be like? Our problem is we see the importance of goals with our children and we've excused ourselves from ever setting up the bullseye and saying, by the grace of God this year I want to do some of these things for the Lord Jesus Christ and working towards them. But most of us get to the end of the year, shoot the arrow, draw the line around it and go, bullseye. No, that's not bullseye. There's so much more in you. There's so much more God has for you. And I'm not talking about Cadillacs and bigger homes. I'm talking about purpose. Like when Kevin and his wife are sampling these other things, life is filled when you stretch out and you work. Wisdom is seen in how he works. He works with a specific goal in mind. He works self-motivated. Waiting on somebody else to motivate you. There's no ant prep speech. How many of you ever worked at car lot? Okay. I've heard that many of them have prep speeches in the morning. To get the guys motivated, you know, like, okay, we're gonna sell some cars today. Yeah. How many's gonna be? The, how many's gonna sell three? Yeah. And then 
you know, they're eating donuts. You got one boy breaking off a donut. Yeah, I'm going to sell three. And then he says, and if someone sells five today, I'm going to give you $5,000. My boy's donut breaks off his mouth, fall down, and motivation comes in. He's self-motivated because mama needs a new pair of shoes at home. Well, that's really not self-motivated. That's motivation for reward. That, that would be the opposite, really. So my illustration didn't work too good. That's, mo- <laughs> that's motivated by reward. So something outside of him motivated him, but something inside of you like this. Whatsoever things you set your hands to, do it with all your heart for the glory of God. I want to be excellent for the Lord. I want to be good for the Lord. I want to be these things for the Lord. Self-motivated, not waiting on someone else. That was the worst illustration I used about the car light. It, just, it wasn't in my notes. It just came to me. and Delete. He works interconnected and interdependent with others. You don't just see one ant roaming around. Have you ever walked outside and there's just one ant in the driveway? Dude. No, when they come, baby, they all coming. <laughs> Bubba Nim, Grandma Nim, everybody's coming. And I am amazed at these deep Christians that don't need nobody but Jesus. I don't need nobody but Jesus. <clears throat> me and the Lord. I don't need a church. Just me and Jesus. Uh, Jesus' body is here. I don't need the body. It's Jesus. Wise people, I'm about to help you here, watch. Wise people understand that I can do more with you than I could ever do by myself. Our life can glorify the Lord. That's why local churches, people are, I'm anti-church. Why? Well, first of all, you don't have church, you are the church. No kidding. No kidding. But I've learned that when I speak to a larger crowd, and we all change and we come together, we can do something on one Sunday for someone that you couldn't do in 10 years. Do you need other Christians? If you come in here late and leave early just so you don't have to interact with other believers, you're immature. I love you. Now watch. I just don't have a need for that. The issue isn't what you need. The issue is how can our lives benefit others and glorify God? God says, don't get mad. Don't write me. Write him. He said, answer exceedingly wise. They work interdependent, not dependent upon them, interdependent uh, upon one another. They work strategically and systematically. People say, you're lucky. This is lucky. Luck happens when preparation and opportunity meet. Churches aren't lucky. Business owners aren't lucky. Salesmen aren't lucky. They, they use all that they've been given and they work with others. Salesmen keep every contact they've ever made in the world and they contact with other people. And you get a birthday card from one of them. You bought a car in 78. Happy birthday. How's the Pinto running? <laughs> that car's dead. <laughs> but you think about him and two weeks later, you see somebody that wants to buy a car, and you go, oh, I got a friend of mine. He's at this dealership connected. Are you interconnected with people, your church, with other believers? That's what God means when he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. 
as the manner of some is. I got to be careful where I'm at here because us husbands could get in trouble. The wisdom of the ant is he's seen in how he works. He works in humility under the control and for the glory of another. One queen bee and 10,000 ants running around. Go do what she said. Go do what she said. Go do what she said. So that's not a perfect parallel to the home. That's not what I'm talking about. But now listen. If the wisdom's hidden there, then it's there. They work in humility for the glory of another. And the world looks at us in the same way we look at an ant. How stupid that you would give your life for another. And there's wisdom hidden in that. To the ant, he would say, you do not determine my purpose. My creator did. And will look stupid to you, feel smart to me. Let me give you an example. How many of your friends ever told you, you give what to the church? How can't you go on Saturday night, Sunday night? And wh what are you doing? And you're like, I, and then they'll say, you're just wasting your life. And you go, yes, I am. On the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm pouring my life out like a drink offering for the glory of another. And you wouldn't understand because you're not a real ant. Thank you. He works tirelessly. I've never. <laughs> you get in trouble when you have ideas that aren't on your notes. You saw my last one, so I'm gonna try to get this. You ain't ever. Have you ever seen like these row of ants, and then just one or two of them going, "Lord, I'm tired." <laughs> They're all moving. Can I just free you up this morning? This this morning is not so much a sermon. We're just in my office talking. I'm just counseling with you, talk. You know, just sharing with you. The world is run by tired people. I'm just too... Do you think the people that come early to prepare and to set up the equipment... And I'm not talking about just Sundays now. and The Sunday school teachers that are prepared during the week and the nursery workers. I doubt they come feeling like, Ooh, it's... Oh, that alarm, 5 o'clock. Hello, friend. <laughs> Andy and Lisa have drove like an hour... Is it almost an hour? 50 minutes for a decade... Oh, we're moving from Second Baptist even further away from the church. We come five times a week. That's a thousand a month in gas. Yay. Now the gas has went down though, so it's, you know. They work tirelessly. The scripture says, be ye steadfast, unmoved. Watch. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's to the Corinthian church. That's not to a pastor. Do you work tirelessly for the Lord Jesus Christ? Brother John, we don't have time. I know. None of us do. N none of us do. None of us have the energy. We derive our energy and we're self-motivated by what he did for us. We owe him. We owe him our best praise, our best efforts, our best service, our best ministry, our best praise. That's why we don't come dragging in here late playing on our phones. I, I, I want to be their Lord from the first note so I can say, Blessed be the great name of the Lord, working tirelessly for the Lord. This is not an amen sermon, but I love you. This is the truth. 
The Bible said they're exceedingly wise. And finally, on this point, what you see in the life of an ant is only a small amount of what he does. I've got a little short clip I want you to see you might find very interesting. It's probably some redneck guy like Billy Bob in Osceola, Georgia going, I'm going to pour some molten aluminum down in this fire ant hill and see what I got. So y'all watch this if you will. That's hot, by the way. That's melted. Don't you know they're under there going, what in the world? Isn't that crazy? All right, thank you, Brian. Now, two things. Two things. First of all, that makes me mad as a hornet to Ace Hardware. Selling me Ambro pellets for 60 bucks. And I'm going to sprinkle some on the top of that. And they got a whole village under there. <laughs> a couple of them come up and eat a couple of grains. and It, it goes that far down. I need a bomb. You don't need it couple grains of poison you need to pour like five gallons of gas and light the yard on fire or something <laughs> so what's the message if the Lord said the Lord says now not John look at them they're exceedingly wise ants understand that there's way more to them than you see I got more in my hidden life than you ever see on this platform they're not going to understand you you're living in a different kingdom and your inner life is invisible to them. Build on anyway. Number three, the wisdom of the ant is that you can do more than you realize. You can do more than others do. 
You can do more than others think. And you can do more than others have done. Zig Ziglar said there's no traffic jam on the second mile. You can do more than what seems possible. You can do more, but not without the effort. <laughs> you know, I told you about my one little week losing seven and a half pounds. Guess what next week's going to be? Lose like nine ounces? Oh, I wish I could play the piano. Do you? Ben will teach you. Mm, that'll take a couple years. Yeah, you can't do more without doing more. And the ant's tireless work and submission and interdependent upon one another understands that they can do more than other people. If you just saw an ant sitting on the stage and he was tethered down to the stage, you say, what can he do? Not much. He's thinking, God has wired me with such wisdom that with the help of others, I can build entire cities underground. And we make excuses. An ant now. And we're adults. And we're happy if we just work, pay the mortgage, eat the sandwich, scratch the dog, mow the grass, wake up, and do it all over again. You can do more. We might have to cut out some stuff to do more, but you can do more. You ever seen a piece of bread moving across the ground? Like a half a piece of bread in your house. You're like, Baby? <laughs> Baby, come here. And you pull it back, and there's one ant got his teeth in it. He, <laughs> or he's got it on his back. And you're like, let's just, let's just dream with me a little bit. Hey. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? That's way too big for you. Who are you to say what's too big for me? Put the bread back on him. I'm dragging it all the way home. Little people dream a lot and do little. Big people dream a little and do a lot. You can do more. You can be smarter. You can be more effective. You can be more faithful. You can learn another language. You can go overseas. You can volunteer. You can serve. Your life can be more. I'm not talking down at you. I could sit right there in that row and this, okay, I'm going to give you one from the private part of my heart, the private part. And I live transparent before you. My greatest fear when I stand before the Lord is he's going to say, you didn't even touch your potential. Well, John, six churches and such. No, no, no. He knows. That's my greatest fear. But we surround ourselves with lazy Christians and we live lazy. And I'm just challenging you. You don't have to do it here. I'm not trying to get volunteers today. I just want you to know that the, the ant, God says, exceedingly wise. He's always got his teeth in something bigger than him. Number four. The wisdom of the ant is, is, that, is that he is. That's hard to say. Is that he is is that he is not easily discouraged. He's not easily discouraged about what's happened to him, what's happened to others around him. Now, when I was doing my Google video search, and ants, peculiar things about ants, this was amazing. Let's just say they get a corrugated stream like we did through my backyard during the rain. Did anybody else's yards get redrawn? You know, just, hey, we got a stream. And the ants need to get across. 
It's not, oh. have you ever seen 10,000 ants laying in front of something just waiting for the water to go away? Okay. They literally start to grow across and die. And the other ants link their arms together and step on their head and they go and die. And the next, I know it's kind of morbid, isn't it? I ain't going to kill nobody. I'm not, you're safe. So, and they get to the, get to the end and they got a dead ant bridge. It's true. Google it. That's, Google lets you know if you tell the truth. Google it. And all these other ants are going across on top of these. And I'm thinking, what in the world has that got to do with us? I just submit this to you. I'm not going to let what happened to other people in their walk with the Lord discourage me from trying great things. My pastor fell when I was 20 and I'm not serving the Lord. Really? Yeah, he, his ministry just withered and all, that di- all but died. Then respectfully step on top of that failure and go forward. It's just a thought, just an idea. They're not easily discouraged. They're not easily discouraged by their present circumstances. They don't let their circumstances dictate how they think, how they feel, how they believe, what they do, or what they expect. In fact, ants meet obstacles and attack with ferocity. Kick an anthill. Kick a fire anthill. Oh, Come on. And they all go over to the side. Sit, sit, everybody. Look. They come out of that thing. It's on now. Anybody within a block of this place dying. If you're in reach, you're mine. They go crazy. When I was growing up, I'm just telling you, Christians were a lot of things, legalistic and the other, but they had some spine to them. They wouldn't quit. Pastor didn't shake my hand. I'm gone, gone. Well, he ain't going to call you either. I literally had someone, when I asked them not to bring coffee in, in the sanctuary one time, walked out, threw the coffee away and got in their car. I wanted to say, really? With all that's going on in the world, that's going to offend you? You know what the ant says? If my life turns upside down, I'll start again tomorrow. And you don't believe me? Not only kick it. I tried it in my front yard this year. Almost had to call the fire department. I poured a gallon of gas. Now, I let it dry. I let it dry. What I thought that would help. I let it dry for a while. (laughs) And when I threw that fire chief in there, wisdom was born that day. The anthill didn't light up. The yard did. (laughs) So I'm like, Kelly, get the hose. Kelly's running around to get the hose. I'm raking fire up to the middle, just raking grass and whatever. I mean, the yard was clean. It's on fire. But now once it got calmed down, then I'm back to cool again. I got something for you there. No more Ambro sugar pellets for y'all. Three days later, Three days later, the same hill, bigger, with one little ant on the top going, bring it. Bring it. (laughs) 
Y'all remember the rock doing it? I usually tell you something funny to tell you something very hard. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, which means we learn his tactics by playing on our weaknesses. And some of you, he knows all he has to do is mess up your anthill and you'll quit. You'll quit on your husband. You'll quit on your wife. You'll quit on your church. You'll quit your work. You'll quit your job. You'll quit on your kids. All he's got to do is mess up your anthill. And God said, he's exceedingly wise. He does not let what other people do to him stop him from being who he's called to be. I got time. I got to be quick, though. Number five, the wisdom of the ant is seen in his faith. Convinced of tomorrow, he lives today. He lives forward. The Bible says he prepares in the summer for the winter. Convinced of winter, he prepares accordingly. The time to fix the roof, John F. Kennedy said, is when the sun is shining. Knowing that winter's coming, he prepares. I just want to insert this real quick here for those that have, you know come and they don't hear every Sunday and they say, y'all sold the church. I hear you're selling church. Just please listen. When we bought this church, we met on those bleachers the first time, and I said, I believe God's given us this building for the equity in it. And we owe a little over a million dollars. On, a, on the tax map, it says $14 million. To build it would be $10 million, but it's around an $8 million, $9 million building. Okay? This is it. I see the storm coming. I see the church going to lose tax-exempt status. That's one of the first things. And then there will be social, political and true beginnings of attack on the church. The property taxes on this church are almost $200,000 a year if we weren't a church. So you add, what, $15,000 a month, $17,000 a month to a mortgage payment of eight or $9,000 a month, plus our power can be eight or $9,000 a month. You're $30,000 a month out the gate. So I see this coming. We're 700 or so now. You know, after all the churches, if we could sell our building with the renewed interest in this land out front and built somewhere, we could build a four or five hundred seat sanctuary, all the auxiliary space we need, actual classrooms, and have a million or two million dollars in the bank. It's a no brainer to us. Okay. But the Bible says a fool sees trouble coming and does nothing to prepare for it. Now, well, the Lord will take care of you. The answer the Lord did. He gave me sense enough to know winter's coming. Winter's coming. Well, Brother Wood, God said, take no thought of tomorrow, what you shall eat, what you shall wear. Look at the context of that verse. It talks about worrying. I ain't worrying. I'm preparing. Preparing's not worrying. And so if you're wanting to go somewhere, you have to make the preparations, and you can't wait on others to see what you see or feel what you feel or know what you know. Convinced of winter, he prepares accordingly. Convinced of the importance of what he does today, he lives focused. Convinced of the obstacles he's going to face, he lives determined. Convinced that today is connected to his tomorrow, he lives without excuse. And convinced of his destination, he, he is willing to look like a fool today for where he's going tomorrow. Ben, if you would come, please. Convinced of where he's going, he is willing to look like a fool today for where he's going that evening or what he's going to do tomorrow.
Have you ever been dressed for a wedding? And, you know, the husband that he's got 16 pair of camouflage stuff at home and T-shirts and stretchy britches and the dad slippers, but he got one suit, one suit. And when he goes to the wedding, the wife tells him, you're dressing today. You're dre- I don't want to wear this thing. And he can't get this snapped and it makes him mad. And so his wife got him a little extender and she drapes it over that one and pulls the shirt and pulls it up. She goes, you look good. And he's standing in there, you know. He can't stand it. I feel like I'm choking. I can't stand this suit. I can't stand this. And then she, to pacify him, because the woman knows the man better than he knows himself, she goes, on the way, baby, do you want to go get some food? Yeah. <laughs> it's a country wedding out in the church. There's not a lot of places to eat. So she, she, he sees a, a, a you know, a Hardee's. And somebody goes, oh, there's Waffle House. I can get that one where you get everything. All-star Grand Slam, free angioplasty when you're done. That's the one I'm getting right there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's just in there. So she walks in and goes get the table. She's fine, but he's kind of unnerved by the whole thing. And he walks in the door. She's quiet, but he sees all the good old boys at the bar. You know, Waffle House has a bar. Do you know that? I remember when it was smoking. Do you all remember that? They wouldn't let you in unless you lit up. <laughs> Waffle, it was amazing. So he walks in and the good old boys are at the bar and they're watching him come in. And right out the gate, you know what he says? We're going to a wedding. I'm going to a wedding. He don't even know this guy. But he sees him looking at him and he feels foolish. So all the way there, he sees the cook. Roy, we're going to a wedding. We're going to a wedding. I'm not dressed for where I am. I'm dressed for where I'm going. Okay. Oh, you got it now. Prepare yourself. The wisdom of the ant is prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be caught unaware, unprepared. Work. So when he comes, you'll not only be found in him, but you'll be unashamed. Because you have served him with gladness. You have served him faithfully and sacrificially so that he can honestly say, Well done, you good and faithful servant. For those of you new to this church, I want to give you a quick disclaimer. I am a nobody. Uneducated. If you put us against the backdrop... Nobody would have ever picked me to do anything for the Lord. My grammar is horrible. <laughs> I lose track. I'll have to stop and go, where was I while I preached? But I'm very similar to this ant. I was foolish enough to think that if God laid out a piece of bread for me, he wanted me to have it. And 21 years ago, I bit this little thing called pastoring. And look at all the churches. Ants are supposed to show you we're nothing. But if we can do something, you can do great things for the Lord. Be prepared for His coming. Be prepared for the evil days that are coming ahead. Strengthen your root system when persecution comes. Be ready. Talk it over. Get ready. Be prepared. Be prepared if you have to lose your job for taking a stand for the Lord Jesus. Be prepared. Be prepared for the worst. 
The Bible said he prepares in the summer for winter. Winter's coming. You live long enough, you're going to have a season where something or everything dies. Where there's no productivity. Listen, listen to your pastor. Where there's no beauty. All the flowers die. Dark places, cold places, unforgiving places, unending places. Be prepared. The ant knows that tomorrow's coming because God put it in him. God put it, tomorrow's coming. Not just here, but there. So next time you see that little line of ants, remember, the ant is wise because he's prepared. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for this year? The man that does not prepare for his future will hate his future. Prepare as if it's up to you and then live as if it's up to God and rest. The wisdom's hidden, but it's easy to see. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, what if you came right now? Would our arms be empty? Would our countenance be embarrassed? Would our excuses seem so shallow? I thank you that you give us all, including me, oh Lord, including me, especially me, Warnings like this, that winter's coming. And while we have time, may our lives glorify the Son of God. While we have time, may we prepare by giving you our best joyfully. While we have time, may we do the things we need to do to get healthy physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. We can do more than we're doing, Lord. You've shown us in the life of this insect. And I pray that we'd be granted wisdom. And maybe it's said of us that we were exceedingly wise. Church, would you look this way right before we're dismissed? One final thing. David wanted to build God a temple. He loved the Lord. And he said, no, not you, but your son will build it. And when Solomon was raised, he had an interview with God Almighty himself. And he said, Solomon, you're going to be the king in the line of David. And this kingdom will continue through forever because Jesus takes the throne of the kingdom later and finishes. He said, what do you want? Name it. Riches? Wealth? Popularity? Fame? What do you want? And he said, give me wisdom. That I can lead your people rightly. And God was so moved. He said. Because you asked for that. I'll give you all the other stuff anyway. What would happen to you. If you asked the Lord. Give me wisdom. That I might glorify your name. He would give it. If any of you lack wisdom. Let him ask of God. Who gives to everyone. Freely. But don't ask double minded. Because the one that asks and doesn't believe won't get anything from the Lord.
If it's wisdom you want, wisdom you'll have. Just exercise and work it. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to take 30 seconds and thank you. I, I don't often do it. I try sometimes to. I want to thank you for being a church that lets me be small and still lead. I thank you for letting me be a failure and still have your respect. I thank you for letting me be not that educated and you follow anyway. You've made this aunt love his anthill very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you. See you Wednesday night.